Welcome to the Marian Message presented by the Mosaic of Marian podcast. Each week we'll hear God's Word explored by Dr. Henry M. Meadows Jr. as he preaches from the pulpit of Marian Baptist Church in Chatham, Virginia. We pray that this message will be a blessing and further your walk with God. Let's join him now. So yesterday, my son came to the house and brought this thing called an oculus. You guys know what that thing is? You know, you put it on your head, and then you're, you're in Never Neverland. I mean, he's got a little hut set up in his little thing while he's setting it up that looks like um, something from Star Wars. So then we began to play golf, and, you know, I, man, I mean, I traveled a lot yesterday in that thing. I traveled to St. Andrews in Scotland, and we played that golf course. Then we went to California, and I played Pebble Beach. And then um, we played somewhere else at, at Bay Hill. We played all these golf courses, and I'm out there, right? And then um, Lisa even put it on her head, and she was more interested in what was in Drew's hut. She walked into four walls, three TVs. I punched one of my grandchildren in the head swinging a golf club. I'm not going to say which one, but there was blood, okay? Um, but anyway, so you're in this virtual reality thing, but then you take it off. And here's what you still face, the problems of the day. My dog died yesterday morning. So me being in that virtual reality world for those few minutes, it didn't help anything with that heartbreak. And so you're like, what do you do? I mean, and so many people today... They want to live their life in this virtual reality realm. Like nothing here is real. It's this virtual reality thing that's the realness when the truth is no, here is real. And you can say, well, I've got all these problems and I've got all this heartache, so I'm just going to go spend time in virtual reality or I'm going to go spend time in a bottle or I'm going to go spend time smoking dope or I'm going to go spend time watching pornography or I'm going to go do this and, and visit with somebody else. And none of that helps. It is absolutely hollow. People ask me all the time, Hank, why do you preach against drinking and smoking dope and all this and all that, because all of that is hollow. It does not take away the problem. Today, we're going to look at number two in the core principles of Marian Baptist Church, and that's being a biblical pursuer. Virtual reality is fun for a while. I mean, it was fun, except when I hit it bad. But it didn't hurt help with the hurt but this book this book will help you when things are bad hello now i want you i'm going to tell you first off i want to give you a couple of verses that i've got on your sheet if you have your sheet with you that i use for this about being a biblical pursuer and then i'm going to go somewhere else and we're going to talk about how when you pursue the bible and the truth of the bible you'll you'll find out why you need it turn your bible to second timothy chapter 2 and notice what the bible says about this word in second timothy chapter 2 and in verse 15 it says 
do your best to present yourself to God as one, one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. In other words, you, you should be so into this book and you should be so well versed in this book that you can be like a surgeon with a scalpel that is doing a major operation, or you could be like a, a teacher that has trained in this specific truth, and you can teach that, or you can be like a, a basketball in the goat's hands, Michael Jordan. You know exactly what to do. No matter what comes that you understood how to rightly divide. And today we so need this because there are so many out there that want to pick and choose a verse of scripture and, and make that be their theology and hang their theology on some verse that's taken totally out of context. They put cart, um, not cartoons, they put commercials on during the Super Bowl about he gets us. Friend, he doesn't get us, he saved us. He never sinned. How can he get us? Yes, he was tempted and he was that, but he never sinned. He saved us. And so they want to take this one aspect of God's character and build theology all around it of this thing called God's love. And yes, God loved us. And I'm going to deal with that a lot today. But what about his truth? What about his righteousness? What about the fact that he could not stand sin, yet he always tried to save us from it? Are you able to rightly divide the word? Then we look over to 2 Timothy chapter 3 and, and look down at verse 16 and 17. We all know 16, all scripture is God-breathed and is profitable. That's great. That word there is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, training in righteousness, that the man of God, and this is where I wanted to hear this as we jump in, that the man of God may be complete, equipped, means you have a provision there for no matter what comes, you can understand it and you know where to find it in scripture and you know where to find it in truth. And so you can help let God work you through it those times because I don't care what the prosperity preachers claim. Once you come to Jesus, you don't get filthy, stinking rich and you don't have five airplanes and your whole life is not a bed of roses and peaches and cream. You still face all the trials you faced when you weren't. Christian. Matter of fact, I believe you'll face more. Equipped for every good work. God has a plan for your life. Do you, do you realize that? He has a plan for each and every one of us. Can I ask you this as we begin? Are you a biblical pursuer? Do you pursue the things of this or do you just sort of say well I think I know enough and I'm going to pursue this and I'm going to pursue these worldly things being a biblical pursuer really when you get it down to what we were after in this is this we have a biblical worldview some of you may say preacher I don't know what that is well here's what it is everything that you see in the world how you live your life, how you think, how you act, how you believe things, all flows through the truth of the Bible. That's a biblical worldview. It's when no matter every second, every minute, everything, every jot, every whatever in your life flows through this, that you say, it doesn't matter what Hank thinks, it's what God's word says, and then I have to adjust my life to God's word. We don't adjust God's word to our life. 
So let's deal with a passage about what would happen if you were a biblical pursuer. What would you understand? Let's stand at the reading of God's word. Go over to Psalm 13. Psalm 13. That all sets the standard for what we're going to deal with. Here it is. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and answer me, O Lord, my God. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemies say I have prevailed over him. Lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. But... You ought to underline and circle buts in the Bible because they tell you so much. But I have trusted, and Bruce has been dealing with this, in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. Father, God, would your word speak to us today, and would we create a culture of biblical pursuers here at Marion Baptist Church. God, we love you and we praise you in the name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. Why do we need to be a a biblical pursuer? And I just said because not every day is a, a day of peaches and cream and rose petals that guide your steps. So often as we look at this passage, you need to be a biblical pursuer for one reason, for a couple reasons. But number one, because life seems like an eternity at times. You ever been there? Life seems like an eternity. You just can't get out of where you're at. You're in a deep, dark valley, and you cannot feel the very presence of the Lord God, and you're there, and you're going, God, where are you? God, I don't feel you. I, God, I can't sense you. God, I don't, I'm not getting what it is. God, there's nothing around me as I walk with you except darkness in this valley. And here's the first truth. It seems like forever. Notice what the Bible says here. We're literally going to be a, a really good exegetical pastor today, and I'm going to walk right through these six verses. Imagine that, Bruce. Here's what the Bible says. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? You you don't feel like you're ever, you've been with the Lord, you've had that closeness where in those times you've been with God so that he feels right there and you can feel him and you can touch him basically and you can understand him and you're right there and then there are times when you're going, God, where are you? God, I miss you. God, I I haven't felt your presence in a while. I haven't felt you in a while. God, I I need that time with you, and I'm, I'm not feeling you for whatever reason. You're going, God, you're just not around. And we say, God, how long am I going to be in this shape? Will it be this way forever? We'll let God answer that. Flip over really quickly to Isaiah chapter 49. Go to Isaiah 49. He's talking about Israel here and the the truth of Israel. And then verse 14 of of Isaiah 49. But Zion says, the Lord has forsaken me. And here's the word, the Lord has forgotten me. Can a woman forget her nursing child that she should know, know that she should have no compassion on the son of her womb. Even these may forget, yet I will not forget you. Behold, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. God says, I want to take one of the most precious things that there are in life, and that's a mother and her child. 
But even that mom, at some point in her humanity, could forget her child. But God says, but I shall never forget you, even when it seems like it, because I've engraved your name in the palm of my hand. So that at each time I turn and I look, I'll see your name right there. I'll understand who you are, and I'll remember your circumstance in life. Friends, I want to tell you this today. I don't know where you're at in your walk with the Lord, but here's what I want to tell you. He has not forgotten you. Then he goes on, he says, how long, O Lord, will you hide your face from me? That word face there, that's the second thing we're looking at. We need to see his face because when we see his face, that's talking about specifically in Scripture, that's getting his favor. And when you get his favor, it means you get his pleasure and you get his presence and that you want to be that close where you can see him in a sense. As we read this scripture and you can sense him there and you can feel him in his pleasure because his hands upon you. Everybody likes to be blessed by God. Whether it is financially at times, he will do that, or spiritually. That's the main one that we should be striving for today is spiritual blessings. And I write little notes to, to most of you guys, and I'm really trying to do better about that. Usually I will close it with this. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you. That means may you have the favor of God on you. And that's from Numbers uh, chapter 6, 24 through 26 is where that prayer is being prayed that God would shine his face and his pleasure and his presence would be yours in abundance. Then the third one, how long, O Lord, must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? Speaks of our feelings. You know this, our feelings will lie. We say things like this. Well, I don't feel that to be true. Well, that's your feelings. And your feelings are not always truthful. Matter of fact, your feelings will lie because if we're not careful, they'll be twisted and turned by the enemy and it'll make you go places that you don't want to go and, and say things that you don't want to say. And your feelings will be that, well, if God doesn't want me, then I'll just stay away. When you're feeling that way, you, you ever had this? I just don't feel saved. You ever been there? And if you say you haven't, that's a lie. You ought to repent right now. But what do you do in those moments when you say, I don't feel saved? Well, here's what I want to tell you. Your salvation is not a feeling. It's a truth. And I'm going to be dealing with some of that throughout this sermon so, but when you, you're feeling that some sort of way and you don't think God's right there with you, can I just take you to Matthew chapter 11 and, and verse 28 through 30 where, where the Lord Jesus Christ says, come to me all you who are weary and heavy laden and I'll give you rest. See, the problem with some of us is that we don't think God is right there. So we begin to walk around and we're just toting all of our sins and all of our weight and all of our this and all these worldly things on us. And we're heavy laden. And yet you refuse to give them to Jesus. And then you're going, where are you, Jesus? When the only place you can look is down because you're so burdened. When was the last time that you got here at this place, at this altar, at an invitation time and just said, God, I lay it all down and I refuse to pick it up because your word says for me to come when I'm weary and heavy laden and that you'll give me rest and that your yoke is easy and your burden is light and I can find rest for my soul. David is crying out, God, man, 
my feelings are some sort of way that I don't feel you anymore and I don't even know that I'm saved and I'm telling you today, God loves you. Then the last one is then you'll tend to feel forsaken. He says the, the fourth one of these, how long shall my enemy be exalted over me? In other words, they've got the victory and I've lost and you're not good enough for me and you've left me. You ever felt that way? Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5 says, the Lord says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. In other words, you know, spiritually, can I tell you some things about, can I read you my spiritual medical chart? I've been in that blessed ark of Jesus Christ, man, since I was six years old. Yes, I was truly saved at six years old, I have no doubt. But man, since I've been in that blessed ark with Jesus spiritually, I've broken legs, I've broken my neck, I've cracked my skull, I've broken fingers, I've broken arms. I've done this because I've fallen so many times spiritually. But here's the one truth, God never left me nor forsook me. And by the way, if I want to ask you this question to all of those, because this has been just eating me alive for a couple of weeks now. Those that say, well, you know, you can lose your salvation. Tell me this. Why would God love me so much when I was a sinner that he would send his son to die for me, that when I become a child of his own, the first time I make a mistake, he leaves me. What kind of Jesus and what kind of Savior is that? And by the way, how do you get around this verse where he says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So if he's going to leave me or forsake me, which I.e. means he's going to throw out my salvation, why would he say those words? So now, not only is salvation not real and eternal, God's a liar. And let me give you one more. I just lost it. It was really good. But I'll give you this one. That's not the one I was thinking, but this, here it is. Do you remember who closed the door of the ark? Who? So if God's in control of the door, how can I get out? Because if you go to the New Testament, if you go to the book of John, and you go to the I am statements, so what does Jesus tell us he is? The door. So if Jesus is, is the I can't believe I'm about to do this. If Jesus is the door and I'm running, y'all ain't had nothing new to talk about in a while. Some of y'all, the sad part is that's the only part y'all gonna remember today's sermon is I went running and jumped into that door. But if he is in control of the door, If I wanted to get out, I can't. Then the question is, were you really saved? Forget who said it, but here's the truth. If I could lose my salvation, I would. Hello? Because Hank Matt is not perfect. I'm not in control of my salvation. Listen, I'm not in control. Jesus is in control of my salvation. Not Hank. Life at times seems like an eternity. And I hurt my ankle when I jumped into that door, by the way. I may have fractured my ankle bone. Maybe another ER visit for me. 
this brother right here says, did I get to hear you preach today? <laughs> I bet you're wondering now, like, oh, boy. Number two, man, well, when you're there in those moments, you got to look to the Lord for answers. This is when you get into why you should be a biblical pursuer. Notice what he says here in, in verse three. Consider and answer me. That word consider is add up everything. It means that it's that being counter word. It's a word for an accountant. In other words, you add up everything. God, you figure it up. You divide, you use trigonometry, you do this, and you answer me, oh Lord, my God. His personal name, Lord, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. Oh Lord, he's speaking it. And here's what he's called. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemies say I prevailed over him. Lest my foes rejoice because I'm shaking. Here's what David was saying, I'm coming to the God who is the God of promise. I'm coming to the God who's the God of hope. I'm coming to the God who's the God of prayer. And I'm coming to God because he's the God of eternity. So what he's saying right here, he says, add it all up because I'm coming to the one. And he uses that word Lord because I believe he's getting all of his characteristics, all of the truth, his personal name of who he is at his very core. That is almighty God. He says, I come to that God, the one who can handle it. Can I make this statement, dear ones? God can handle anything you're going through today. So here's what David is saying to him when you read this. When he says, light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. He says, I want you to refresh my situation. People say all the time, well, you can't question God. No, you shouldn't question his character and his ability, but you can question why you're there. God, I don't understand why I'm where I am. See, sometimes, yes, our sin will lead us into the wilderness. But sometimes, if you read Matthew chapter 4, it's the Spirit that will lead us into this because He wants to do something in our life. And you just say, God, refresh my situation. In other words, tell me why I'm here. I'm worried I'm about to die and I'm about to lose. I don't know. Refresh my situation. Help me. Restore my soul. I've been walking at a guilty distance and I need to be up close. Restore me to that relationship that we had. At my, you guys remember the first minute you were saved and that great feeling? And then you go for a while and the storms of life come and if we're not careful, man, that, that bond is broken and we're, we're walking at a guilty distance and we're not up close. And what you're saying is, God, restore my soul to where it should be. Some of you in a little bit, you ought to come in and pray that very prayer. God, refresh my situation and restore my soul like it used to be because I want to walk close and clean with the Savior of the universe. But you know what David did? In, this, in these verses right here, to consider an answer. He's, God, I need an answer. I'm dying. I've been saying how long. And I'm about to, all this other stuff. Here's what David did. He nailed his pleas to the promises of God. Bruce talked about it about, I don't know, three or four months ago and about praying the Psalms specifically. And I know Rick talked about it last week and I sort of begun that already and I've really begun to do this. And I'm gonna go behind the curtain and some of my, my quiet time and as I'll, I'll read whatever I'm reading and then I'll go to the Psalms and I'll, I'll begin to read through it and I'll begin to pray it back, these promises of God. And this is how I do it. It may be different from Bruce. His way is probably much better than mine, but this is how I do it. I'm just simple this way. I'll read all my stuff and then I'll come to this Psalm and I'm gonna pray through that Psalm, whatever it is. And I'll say, God, 
here I stand right before you. I just want to pray back to you some promises that you made to me from Scripture. And I'll go to places in just a few weeks, in a few, well, a few days, actually. I'll be in Psalm 23, and it'll go something like this. Father God, you, you promised to be my shepherd. You, you promised that. Aren't you glad for that man, that he can be our shepherd? Personal. Look, I, I love the fact that Kim knows Jesus and Lisa and Lauren and Joey and, and Josh and all, that they know Jesus and they're saved and they're going to heaven. But you know what I love even more? That he's my Savior. That he's my God. David said, the Lord is my shepherd. So when I pray that, I'll be like, God, I thank you that you're my shepherd. And God, I, I thank you that you said in your scripture that you would lead me beside the still waters. In other words, you'll take all this other confusion and mess out of my life. And there'll be times where you'll bring me to these places of the water that is there and is gentle and it's not running, it's not, ra- it's not rapids, it's just there and it's serene. And you'll give me these times of comfort in my life. And then Father, you'll Take me to these places that are green pastures, which means you'll feed me not with some other food, but with spiritual food. That as I open your word and I'm trying to glean from it, as I pursue you biblically, you'll feed my soul with the truth. And then, Lord, there are times when I've walked through these times before. And thank you, Jesus, that they were just the valley of the shadow of death, that I can come to you in those moments when it's dark all around me and you'll walk me through it. And that you'll restore my soul. That's what he wants to do with you. Then lastly, all of that can be based upon this one truth. The love of the Lord never ends. Isn't it crazy? Did you see how this thing started? Guys, look real quick. Don't look at me. Look down. This is one of the Look down at your Bible. Okay. Look at what it says. How long? Four times. How long, O Lord? How long? Twice in verse one. How long? How long? Twice in verse two. That's four. Then he says, consider me and answer me, and I've done all this stuff. And then he says in verse five, but. Don't ever skip over the, when the Bible says but. I can take to Ephesians chapter two when he's railing on about that we're doomed because we're disobedient and we're dis this and we're, we're all that and we're di- gonna end up departed from him in a place called hell. And then you get to Ephesians chapter two, verse four, and it says, but God, who is rich in mercy and a great love that he has loved us with. So right here, David's going on and he's giving us all this and he's just, my life's bad. I can't feel you. I'm here and I'm this. And then he just says this, but listen to these words, man. I have trusted in your steadfast love, a love that's unchanging and a love that's unmoving and a love that is crazy. It's agape love. It's unconditional love. So if it's unconditional love, is there anything that can change it? Hello? No, it's what? Unconditional He loves you with a steadfast love that's never ending, that's never tiring, that's never going away. It's a love that is always there. It's always before him and always before you. It's a love that is more and greater than any love you could ever have here on the face of this earth because it's agape love, love from the Father. So David says, in all my darkness that I'm walking in and living in, and in all 
my issues that I'm struggling with. I've trusted in your steadfast love. And listen to this. Let me give you three. You go, y'all going to have a conniption when you pull these out. Somebody going to run the aisle right here. I believe it. For the first time in 22 and a half years, somebody going to take off running. I'm kidding. It can be trusted. I have trusted in yours. If it was up to me or if it was up to David, it could not be trusted. We are frail sinners, but the steadfast love of the Lord is not based on any human. It's based on Almighty God, and it can be trusted to never fail. But listen, that's not, it's, it gets gooder and gooder. Not only can it be trusted, number two, then he goes on, listen, he says this, I've trusted in your last, my heart shall rejoice in your salvation. So in the midst of this darkness, David just says in verse, he goes, but I've trusted in your steadfast love. And then secondly, I'm going to have joy in the midst of it. In the midst of my darkness, in the midst of my angst, in the midst of everything I'm going through, I'm going to trust you and I'm going to have joy. Notice he didn't say, I'm going to have happiness because happiness is happenstance. Means it can change it. Mine changed yesterday morning with a phone call. Yours can change same way, but joy? Joy is deep inside of you because it's where the Holy Spirit, it emanates from the Holy Spirit. It emanates from Jesus Christ. It emanates from the place, from the very throne of God that is established in your heart, that holy of holies that, are, that is deep down in your heart where the Holy Spirit resides. And I call it that because that's what it is, where the Holy Spirit is there, man, and he's there and he's just producing joy. Love, joy. David said, in the midst of, man, these dark times, I'm gonna rejoice. Why you can sing. And then the third thing, I love this one. It'll cause you to sing. It so overflows your heart that you get a place where you can sing. You can sing about the wondrous joys of Jesus. You can sing those songs, Amazing Grace. You can sing those songs just as I am. You can sing that song when the roll is called up yonder. You can sing, I've got a mansion just over. You can sing gardens in the graves in the gardens. <laughs> I just lost it. But you could sing. Listen to what he says this, man. I will sing to the Lord. You can go to the Psalms, and that's all I basically do in the morning of that is I sing them back to Almighty God. I can't sing worth nothing, but I promise you, based on God's word, I believe when my heart is right and my soul is restored and I'm there, God says, I love it when you sing to me, Hank, because you're singing from a soul and a heart that's overflowing with my Holy Spirit. And then the last thing, he says, because you have dealt bountifully with me. Wait a minute. Did you read the very first few verses? How long, O oh Lord? 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 You've done this. God, where am I at? God, I don't understand how long. And then he ends up going, man, you have dealt bountifully with me. How do you do that? 
one of my original seven statements that I've got in 22 and a half years of preaching. When you focus your eyes on God, he'll turn your prayers into praise. That's good. I don't care who you are. That's good. When you focus your eyes on God, not the Goliaths in your, I don't have time to chase that rabbit, not the Goliaths in your life, not the darkness that you may be surrounded in in the moment, not the pain you may be feeling right now, but when you focus your eyes upon the majesty and the glory and the holiness of God, and you begin to pray to that one who saved you from hell, he'll turn your prayer into praise. And then, with David, you can say, you've dealt bountifully with me because of your steadfast love. Thanks for listening to the Marian Message presented by the Mosaic of Marian podcast. If you would like to know more, you can reach us on our Facebook page or on our website, www.marianbcva.com.